0: Hi, welcome to the Art and Science of Learning, the podcast that digs deeper in how we learn so that in today's accelerated world we can learn better and enjoy it more. I'm your host, Learning Specialist Dr. Kinga Petrovai. Every week I discuss aspects of learning with academics, practitioners, and individuals with unique learning journeys to inform and inspire how you design learning into work and life. Having a positive mindset is a critical part of overcoming adversity and living a happy life. Although there are challenges that seem insurmountable, history is filled with examples of individuals who never lost hope and overcame the most harrowing challenges. But what does it mean to have a positive mindset when faced with great adversity, and how can we learn to think positively in those situations? My guest today is a truly inspiring individual who faced an unimaginable challenge with a positive mindset That he attributes to enabling him to turn obstacles into opportunities. Andrew Mangan had an accident in December 2016, when he was 17 years old, that injured his spinal cord and left him paralyzed from below his neck. The doctors were unable to predict if Andrew would ever recover and be able to walk again. However, Andrew was always convinced that if he worked harder and pushed further, he would one day recover. In the four short years since his accident, Andrew has done so much. He went on to be able to walk again. He also started Connecting the Resilient, a platform for spinal cord injury information. He researched and wrote the book Plugged In, How Mind-Machine Interfaces Will Transform the World. And now he is in his second year of mechanical engineering and computer science at Stanford University. He has recently also started a company that helps people apply to jobs and internships. Andrew has been working on this company called Kidder with his older brother. Andrew attributes his ability to achieve all that he has done to his positive mindset, which he will discuss in this episode. Thank you so much, Andrew, for joining me today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to talk with you.
0: Before we jump in, can you please give a little bit of a backstory to the people who are not familiar with your history on your injury, a little bit about your journey since then?
1: Yeah, for sure. So I was injured. I broke my neck jumping into a snowbank when I was 16, four years ago in December of 2016. That injury left me paralyzed from about the kind of shoulders, neck down, I was in the ICU for a couple of weeks and had a couple of surgeries to stabilize my spinal cord. And then I was moved to a rehab facility out in Denver, Craig Hospital, where I spent 70 days essentially trying to relearn as much as I could. In those 70 days, I gained, I regained the ability to to move, to feel, to walk to a certain extent. And I was able to walk out of the hospital with minimal assistance, which was one of my big goals. And since then, I've spent a lot of time focused on continuing my recovery. Even now, four years later, still kind of see improvements on like a month to month basis. I've been super lucky in my recovery and I'm, I'm super grateful for all that I'm able to do. And I've also kind of worked since I left the hospital, I've worked to build a community of essentially spinal cord injury survivors with the goal being to connect people who have had similar injuries in this community called Connecting the Resilient kind of stemmed around a connection that I made when I was in the hospital with someone who'd been injured three years prior to me with a very similar injury who had also a very good recovery. And what I was able to do is I was able to kind of match up my progress, the milestones that someone hits when they're recovering from a spinal cord injury with his progress. And I found that it was, it was very similar. Essentially, this gave me a lot of hope for my recovery, which is something that is kind of tiptoed around in spinal cord injury hospital. And it kind of seems like that wouldn't be the abnormal that that would be the case. But the reasoning uh, I think is that they don't really want to give false hope and they don't want to let people down because spinal cord injuries are so unknown and every injury is different. But I found that Talking with with this gentleman and being able to ask him questions and see where he was provided me with a lot of a lot of hope, frankly. And I think that drove a lot of my recovery and that really helped with my outlook, with my mindset. And so the goal with Connecting the Resilient, which mainly is a podcast, is to talk with people who've had spinal cord injuries, get their stories out, their injuries, how their recoveries went in an effort to provide that story for someone who is currently injured, who was recently injured, so that they can get the same assurance and the same support as I got when I was in the hospital.
0: Mm -hmm. It's incredibly important in so many challenging situations in life, even if someone isn't going through the exact same journey, but actually hearing about their experience and how what kind of challenges they face. That must be very comfort to know that you're not the only one facing that. And also to look at people who are further down the journey and how they were able to get there. So that must be incredibly powerful.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's even more important kind of today uh, going through the pandemic, I think something that you don't see a lot of is kind of that that hope, that positivity in the major news outlets and kind of in your day-to-day for mm-hmm. whatever reason. And I think it's it's really important that people are reminded of that. I think it's it's such an, a powerful force, both physiologically and just psychologically, can really empower you and your immune system, frankly, by just being positive. And I think it's interesting that it's not, it's not talked about as much.
0: It's really, really true. And in any kind of difficult situation, it isn't so important to always look at the positive, even when it seems like there's nothing positive to look at. And you are such an amazing example of that because at the age of 16, to suddenly go from being an extremely athletic person and competitive athletically as well, to not being able to move, you know, your first thought can easily and understandably be completely negative and dark and not having hope, but actually you found that having that positive mindset helped a really great deal, didn't it? What was the first reaction you had when you first had your injury?
1: Um, I think it was kind of just the way my mind works is I I rationalize things in just throughout my life. Um, And I think I have since a young age. And when this injury occurred, it was just kind of another event and it didn't really there didn't really seem to be much benefit to kind of wallowing in uh, why me rather than just kind of seeing what I could do and uh, finding where I could work and in doing that to the best of my ability really just from the get-go it was kind of thinking what are the next steps how can I get back to 100% as far as I can get didn't really know at that point when I first got injured I didn't know much about spinal cord injuries as I assume most of your uh, listeners and most people just don't know that much because they're so rare. Mm -hmm. Um, It's rare that you meet someone with a spinal cord injury, let alone are well-versed about the process. And that was both a blessing and a curse, uh, probably more a blessing than anything because it kind of shielded me a bit from the negative aspects. And I mean, I, I quickly... Learned, especially going to a rehab center, the whole spectrum of recoveries that are out there. But I think initially that really helped me just kind of set my mindset straight and, and start applying myself to working to recover as, as best as I could.
0: To finding what was the solution and what you can do towards your recovery. Yeah, absolutely. Which you did incredibly well. I was really amazed when I was reading your book because you start off in the introduction talking about your injury and saying that right away, you thought, okay, here I am. And what can I do? How can I tackle this? How can I work harder and faster to do the best I can with this, even when the doctors really can't tell you how this is going to go, because it's extremely unpredictable. Is this a mindset that you always had? How? Where did this mindset come from?
1: Yeah, partly, this is kind of a factor of my environment. I'm the fifth of six kids. So I think I've always kind of been proving myself and comparing myself with my siblings and trying to act older um, to fit in with them. So I think that mindset stems a a bit from that, kind of that independence in taking everything into my own hands. Not to say that my family wasn't and isn't extremely supportive and helpful. They were probably one of the largest factors in my recovery. But I think kind of that mindset to just step back and rationalize and say, this is where I am this is what's got to happen. Yeah, it's just something that I've kind of had since a young age. I frankly don't know where exactly that that started, but I, I've realized the power of it, especially since I got hurt and kind of in mind soon recovery. And I've also realized that it's not something that's kind of unattainable. It's not like I was born with that. And I also am not perfect. Um, and I think everybody, including myself, can improve on that sort of outlook and that reaction to to different events in your life or hardships.
0: So what was that self-talk like? I mean, you gave a very a short glimpse of saying you already had this attitude of, okay, I'm going to do my best and do as much as I can. But what was that self-talk that in the darkest moment, what were you thinking? Um, I
1: think uh, pretty much always just keeping myself busy, I think is important, was important. Really not letting myself go to that place of, of my mind um, or let those thoughts creep in because it is just kind of, it can snowflake. And I mean, I have bad days now. I had bad days then where it's like, oh, this is super tough. I, I wish I could run and jump like I used to be able to, but not letting yourself dwell on that kind of taking a second to to refocus, I think is, is, and was super important. Uh, and was something that I started to do more and more um, as I realized kind of the effect that, it would have. Because if I kind of got into that, that rut, and was depressed or sad or whatever, frustrated, um, it it really just kind of affected me a lot on kind of all different levels. And I realized that that just wasn't helpful. um, And it wouldn't, it just wasn't the best approach in kind of maximizing my recovery. But yeah, I mean, I think, I know that's a, that's a pretty general answer. But as far as kind of self-talk goes, I think that like the most important thing was just talking to myself, like, how is this affecting you? How does this help you uh, get from point A to point B when you're in kind of that rut? It's not, it's not helping you. It's, it's bad. And just kind of realizing that and being able to step back and say, yeah, I'm, I am frustrated um, or for whatever reason, I'm stressed or this is affecting my mood and it's affecting all sorts of things. And I need to do something to change that, um, I think was, was really important.
0: That's really important because it's one of those things—self-talk—that we don't even realize. Often, we don't even realize what we're, what our self-talk is, and it can be extremely negative. And catching yourself and redirecting that is such a crucial part of, of being able to overcome so much adversity in life. And it's amazing that at such a young age, you really had that embedded in your mindset, and that you were able to to do that because it often takes a lifetime for people to really be able to to understand and grasp that. Do you think a part of the fact that you were a competitive athlete had anything to do with the mindset that you had? Did that play a role?
1: Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, like, so I was a competitive rower and ski racer. And as far as kind of self-coaching and, and having like an inner dialogue, I think ski racing really helped that a lot because once you get to a certain level, you're really kind of coaching yourself like every run, every turn, um, there's a lot of internal dialogue. And so I think having formed that before I got hurt really allowed me to apply it as I was going through this recovery. But then on the other side, like as far as kind of just grit and grinding it out, I think, uh, rowing was super helpful because such a big part of rowing is of the training is on an erg, which for any of your listeners that have done that is, is not a super, um, It's not a super exciting experience it's a lot of hard work and it's pretty much direct input output if you put a lot of hard work in then you get a lot of good outputs and I think that instilled a good work ethic I guess um, in the ability for me to just kind of put my head down um, and grind which was super useful in my recovery because a lot of it is just repetition and just not exciting stuff um, that can be hard sometimes it's just extremely boring but you just got to do it a lot and so that was definitely really helpful.
0: So from the athletic point of view you were trained to really never let yourself be overcome by the physical pain or the exhaustion was that it what were you being taught as a competitive athlete in terms of how to think about it?
1: Yeah I definitely think especially in rowing I kind of learned like there's a term um, when you're erging if you really want to do well on a, on a, on a piece or on an assessment, then they say you have to go into the pain cave. Um, after lots of practice and, and repetition, you kind of are more in tune with your body and able to not so much ignore that pain, but you're able to deal with it um, and you're able to keep pushing when things get hard and when your muscles want to stop. And I think that was super, super helpful to have figured out that mindset before I got hurt and had to go through this recovery. And I also think kind of just in general, having been training and a pretty strict kind of workout or wake up early workout for a while. And then you have school and you go to bed early. And I think that sort of schedule was super helpful because it's something that I was accustomed to kind of putting in the work and dealing with that sort of tight schedule that although my rehab was different, a lot of it is just kind of you wake up and you have to work from like 9am to 4pm all day on repetitive, sometimes really hard stuff. And then you go to sleep and you do it again. And you kind of hope for hope for results. And I think that among other factors, I think that was a a super important aspect that helped prepare me as Mm -hmm. much as anything can prepare you for um, an injury like that.
0: Uh, And you've said that actually, one of the most important things in trying to recover from a spinal cord injury is to move a lot and to move to be very active and you said that a positive mindset really helped you to be able to push through it and to do more of the movement necessary obviously your training as an athlete and being able to get past the pain and not always see results but still keep pushing was a big factor but how did a positive mindset help you to keep moving
1: um i think Kind of the biggest thing that a positive mindset does in that sense is it allows you to just always be looking towards your next goal or your next task, where you can improve, where you can apply yourself. And I think when I was kind of in, when I was at Craig and for the, the couple of years following where I was in intensive rehab, when you have a positive mindset, you wake up and you're like, okay, where can I, where am I going to be? recovering today? Or how am I going to apply myself to this exercise? And you want to do that. You want to keep applying yourself. Whereas if you kind of let yourself get into a hole or where you're doubting or frustrated, it's like, oh, what's the point? Like, why should I even go? Why should I even try this? I've already tried to sit up a hundred times. What's 101 times going to do? That accumulates over whatever, however many months you're training. and, And it really adds up. Um, especially when movement is so important and it's it's so kind of unrewarded um, initially. You just do something and you do it and do it and do it a thousand times before something happens. And so if you're kind of not looking at it from, oh, I got to keep pushing, I got to keep pushing, I'm going to get through this, then it's really easy to kind of give up and not really push yourself. And then it's just kind of a, a bit of a spiraling builds off of itself. If you're not positive, then you're not moving, then you won't see results in in the week month period, and then you're less positive and then you're not moving even more. And so it just kind of gets worse and worse. And so I especially think in in an injury, like a spinal cord injury, where just trying to move as much as you can. um, And and some people unfortunately have really bad injuries and and they don't have much, if any movement, but like most people are able to get something back. And I think they're able to push themselves and, and really try to move whatever they can as much as they can and so having that mindset to apply yourself to whatever task at hand do it as much as you can i think is super important the opposite of that like not having a positive mindset really is just a slippery slope that is can negatively affect your recovery
0: do you think the difference is it sounds to me the difference is that you really focused on the moment on today and saying what can i not even accomplish what can i do what can i act that is possibly going to be a positive impact. What can I do today rather than thinking, what does the future hold? Is that the kind of mindset that you were really enforcing?
1: Yeah, I think it kind of like on a broader scale, if you think about it, you have your areas of influence, if you kind of step back and, and say, What can I influence? Like, what can I do today to affect my situation, whether that's recovering from a spinal cord injury or something else. If you are able to see that kind of the only thing you can really do at that point is is just kind of give your all to this exercise and do it as much as you can, then there aren't really many options. And at that point, it's like, okay, that's I guess this is all I can do. Whereas if you aren't able to step back and and look at your situation and and realize where you do and don't have influence, then you'll spend a lot of time worried about stuff that you can't affect at that point. Like we're worrying about like, when am I going to be able to do this again, And when am I going to be able to do this? When really the only thing you can do at that point is try to do that exercise as best you can. So yeah, it's definitely about, like you said, taking it one step at a time, one day at a time. But I think on a, on a broader scale, it's the ability to step back and to realize all that you have and all that you can do, and uh, where your kind of where your energy is best is best served. Um, that is that is most helpful.
0: And that is an extremely difficult thing for. most people to do, isn't it? I mean, very understandably, people worry about what the future will hold, what the impact will be. Can they change their circumstance? Is what they're doing enough? Um, All of these future-looking thoughts creep in very quickly and can be really overwhelming. And focusing back down on the action that you can have an influence on right now and doing that to the best of your ability is so important, but it is really, really hard.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think you're right about uh, it being hard, but it, it's not, it's not unachievable. And I think that's kind of an important point to make is like, I'm not some special super in tune with my, with my mind and only I can do this. I think it's, it's something that people just kind of have to realize that, that this is a better way to approach kind of adversity. They, they will be able to do it. I mean, I like, I'm not perfect. I have days and points, I'll be thinking, oh, what, what's going to happen? What am I going to do in the next couple of months? Or where will I be? Or am I doing enough? But I think it's important that you kind of take those moments and, and then you you have those thoughts. Great. But then you step back and you say, okay, well, what can I do now to better that situation? Maybe it's, I don't know, researching opportunities for your future, trying to find things that you can do. But I think it's about how you deal with those thoughts rather than trying to dispel them because you will have, I mean, everyone will have thoughts where they're they're frustrated, they're doubting, they're unsure about their future, um, but it's, it's more about how you deal with that mentality, um, I think.
0: Mm, absolutely. And you also said that you were trained in a sense athletically to have a very active mindset to be able to tackle the challenge at the moment and to deal with the challenge at the moment. And you also said that you naturally had a more positive outlook on life for your entire life, but your family also had a lot of influence on you and how you were raised. What was the influence as you were growing up? How were they helping you to develop this positive mindset? And when you were injured, how did they impact your thought process and your ability to stay positive?
1: Right away after I got injured, my parents were here and most of my older siblings were away. And They all flew in, pretty much from like the first day I could remember. Because the first couple days I was kind of in and out of surgery, so I don't remember much specifically. But they were already kind of making a list of places to go, like getting together, um, resources and stuff. And they really just were moving forward, right? And they didn't they didn't stop to dwell about it or like why did this happen to Andrew or why us and this is so unfair. And I think that as much as kind of they took from my lead, I took from, from their lead. And uh, when they started just, just moving forward and like on to the next step, I think that was kind of really important for me and, and kind of kickstarting that, that mindset and okay, this is how it's going to be. This is something that I, and, and we are going to get through. So I guess we just, we just need to move forward. And I think kind of from just growing up, one thing that is important is that we're always very active as a family and we're, we're pretty close. And I think that's important because it kind of instilled the idea that you can always do something, whatever, whether that's like go outside or play with your siblings, you can always, there's always an option. Um, and I think that kind of pushed away the idea of being complacent or, or not acting upon your situation and letting kind of the world act upon you. And so I think that was very important. One thing that I remember you talked about when did independence or that, that, that mindset that self-talk first kind of, when was it first established? I think a really important thing was we all sailed when we were younger and we sailed in optimist boats, which are small, like three by six foot, essentially bathtubs. You would be out sailing pretty much alone. I mean, you're sailing in a fleet of people, but you're always the only person in the boat and for like five or six hours. Uh, and I do think that was really important and kind of when i started this this self-talk this self-awareness because i don't know i was alone a lot of time and i at some points it was really boring or frustrating or you were just kind of out there in the lake um and around the water and you had you had to figure it out so i know that's not directly what you asked but i That just came to mind and I wanted to share that.
0: That's interesting. And that triggered it because also you were trained to sail. So I'm sure your parents also helped to kind of guide you what you should be doing when you're on your own in the sailboat. But then you had that kind of solitude where you had to fend for
1: yourself. Yeah, I definitely think it was, yeah, it's a bit of a trial by fire um, at a very young age. And I think that was important because it kind of, I had to figure it out um, and we had to figure it out when we were six, seven, eight years old, that kind of independence and ability to just work through whatever we faced then was was super important um, and, and definitely had an effect on what my outlook is and was.
0: Did you ever have moments in that sailing <laughs> when you came back and you were just upset about it or negative about it? Did your parents talk you through in a particular way?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. A hundred percent. I think if you talk to any optimist sailor who sailed at a young age, like there's times when, I mean, you're just out there alone and it can get really windy or really wavy or there's no wind and you're not moving. And it's just (laughs) very frustrating. I mean, I think by, by the end of the day, you're, I mean, you're out there for, for hours on end. I don't really remember any particular times where I would come in and kind of discussed like what happened and and about the mindset. But I think, just in general, seeing all everyone else out there, and be like, oh well, if they can do it, I can do it. And like, how am I going to get through this day? Whether it's windy or not windy, or something goes wrong with your rigging, I think kind of all the different aspects really just throws you into, <laughs> throws you into the water. No pun intended, and mm. you kind of have to sink or swim, which was, which was super useful.
0: So it was a bit of that allowing children to have some independence in the sense of facing a challenging situation where they have to figure out a, on their own that you think might be really important in this, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I don't have kids and haven't raised kids, so I can't, I can't speak to the the subtleties of that, but I mean, I definitely like I, I spent a year in Germany following high school and it was really interesting kind of the difference that they take with like their children and in independence versus how we take here in the U S kids as young as seven or eight years old. are able to ride the subway and public transit to school, like no problem at all in um, Germany is like no safer really than the U S and it's just kind of a, a cultural difference. That is definitely interesting, but yeah, I mean, I definitely think that has an effect on on how much independence you give your kids.
0: Sure. That's an entire topic we can (laughs) delve into, but but it's nice that you remember that as an as a time in your childhood when you really had to problem solve for yourself and think positively because you had to get out of the situation of, of getting across the lake. And you said after your after your injury, you met a lot of people with spinal cord injuries, and you started to see the impact that positive mindset had on people. So there's a lot of literature around how important it is to to think positively. but what did you start seeing? What did you start noticing about people?
1: I think kind of like two aspects when I was when I was in the hospital, I would see people who kind of were optimistic, were positive and then there'd be people who weren't and I mean, it was just so clear people who are optimistic would always be kind of going the extra yard and they wouldn't necessarily have had a less Worse injury than the other person, but they would just be doing so much more, and they'd be moving so much more, and it had such a, a real effect. But then, kind of moving beyond just spinal cord injury patients, like moving beyond the hospital, a lot of the people that I meet that I meet today are just super. Uh, I, I feel like they've they've kind of understood, similarly to how I've understood the power of being optimistic. You could say life has dealt them a poor hand. Most of them are pretty much all of them wouldn't say that uh, because they they kind of realize, they kind of see this as, is not like, Oh, this is a terrible thing that happened to me, but they, they they see the opportunities that have come from it. People they've met because of this injury, which I think is telling in itself that they don't see this as like terrible thing. A lot of them, if you ask them um, would say like, they've, they've done amazing things that they never, never would have thought possible. So I definitely think that going through an experience like recovering from a spinal cord injury, definitely similarly to how I now see the power of positivity kind of instills that on other people as well.
0: Absolutely. I mean, there, I don't think there's a more vivid example than what you have gone through and what others have gone through. And how do you see that now that you're, because it's almost like it highlighted to you that positive thinking is such an important aspect of life. How do you see that in in the surrounding world, in other people? Seen that definitely with people with spinal cord injury and how it helped their recovery because it motivated them to move more and do as much as possible. What have you noticed since you've started focusing on this aspect?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think no more qualified to see it than anyone else. Like if you just think about the people in your life, people you know, think about the people who are always positive and optimistic and excited to do stuff. They're just generally not only are they uh, often doing more, but they're they're happier about it. Uh, and I think it's 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 really as simple as that. Whereas people who kind of are always focusing on the bad stuff that has happened to them and how tough it is, they're just not doing as much, and they're not able to do as much because they're spending so much so much bandwidth on on focusing on on the negative aspects. They're not able to both kind of appreciate what they have, but also to capitalize on what they have. So yeah, I mean, I don't think it's like one thing that I keep coming back to is it's not like some secret elixir that I and other spinal cord injury people have stumbled upon. I think not only can everyone see it if they look around and think about the people in their life, but they can also kind of try to change it within themselves and and try to embody a, a more positive outlook, improve their life, frankly.
0: And you certainly took every opportunity to do as much as you can, because it's absolutely impressive that in four years, you not only went through this incredible life-changing experience and you pushed yourself to recover and do really well, but you've also started connecting the resilient. And you wrote a really fantastic book as well, and also got into Stanford and started started your university degree. So you've done an incredible amount. And in your book, I mean, I want to focus a little bit on your book, because the beginning, you talk a little bit about your story. But really, the book is about delving into the mind machine interfaces that will transform the world and that are transforming the world. So you really delved into the science, the technology, interviewed a lot of interesting people in it. Can you tell me a little bit about the book and how that started?
1: Yeah, for sure. So I, I think um, it kind of came about because I was I was exploring these topics um, and I just recovered from a spinal cord injury. And so I was, I was really interested in kind of the areas that could affect spinal cord injury recoveries and, and what what that looked like. I realized that I didn't know much about it and and so in an effort to kind of learn more, I wanted to try to... To write about it into, and, and I didn't really know when I started. I didn't really know what I would be writing about. Um, I wasn't even kind of certain that it would be brain-computer interfaces um, that would be my main focus. Uh, and then as I interviewed more people and kind of read the articles that are out there and began to grasp a better understanding, I kind of realized that this would be a really cool topic to to write about. It really helped me understand this field more, which is which is super interesting. Was kind of one of the the main reasons that I wanted to write the book. And initially, I was like, when I was thinking about writing a book, I, I wanted to write similar to what we're talking about, kind of the power of mindset and positivity. But I, I just didn't have both the time since my injury, as well as I don't think I, I was a good enough writer, frankly, um, to really convey what I wanted to convey. So I kind of decided to research and write about this, this field that will pretty directly affect spinal cord injuries as well as many other medical fields. Yeah. So then I, over a couple of months and a lot of interviews and speaking with a ton of experts on the field, I essentially kind of started piecing together what what the book would be and then kind of put pen to paper, so to say.
0: And how did that idea, did you ever want to write a book? Why write a book researching for yourself? Yeah, it was
1: actually, it was through a, a college course. My two of my older brothers went to Georgetown and one of them took this class with this professor who then started a, a different class. He wasn't in the class, but uh, the professor said, well, the whole goal of the class is to write a book. That's that's what they do in, in their semester. And I asked this professor and my brother's telling me about it and I asked this professor if I could, if I could join. And he said, yeah. So then I, I joined and essentially, you just find a topic that you're interested in, and you write about it. And, I, and this sounded like a really cool opportunity. Um seemed like I could learn a lot from it. And I definitely think the fact that it was a book and that I was going to publish it and kind of once you realize that from the beginning, then you just apply yourself and you really have to understand it because you're going to be sharing it. Like you said, why wouldn't you just research it yourself? Um, and I think it's the same reason why like taking an online course on something can be less effective than if I'm actually taking it at school, just kind of accountability. Um, I procrastinate like, like the best of them. And so I think having this, uh, <laughs> like deadline where your book will be published, and like people are gonna be reading it. And so it'll have your name on it. I think that really pushed me to to both understand it and make sure that I was talking to enough people and in writing a good introduction, because that's really what it is. It's a, it's a, it's a very solid introduction to brain computer interfaces. It's, it's definitely not a, a super technical book field. And I'm, I'm definitely not technically super well versed in brain computer interfaces, but it's, it's definitely a really good kind of intro into the field. And it was yeah, it was a really cool experience. Yeah, it stemmed from that from that class and that professor.
0: That's really good. I I mean, it's a very interesting book for anybody who's interested in technology and what's coming and how it will be changing our lives. It's fascinating and very well researched.
1: And I ended up narrating it. So if you like the sound of my voice, you can... Exactly.
0: (laughs) Yes, Yes, in the audio book. That's true. What I was really inspired and interested in your story is that you're always really focused on what can I do today to push forward? What what can I do? What action can I take? And from that stemmed a lot of projects that ended up not only helping you, but also really helping others and contributing to the world in some way, connecting the resilient, you know, the wonderful podcast that you have and bringing people together and also your book and uh, and all the work that you are doing. So it's that step-by-step of what can I do today that actually in a very short amount of time, flourished into a lot of different projects that helped other people as well yeah yeah no how did you react to this idea that you were doing these things i assume as trying to do something that was positive on your journey trying to have an impact on on your recovery and on your experience and then it flourished into something much bigger reflecting back on it how do you how do you feel about what has it?
1: yeah i think you put it you put it well like a lot of it was First of all, realizing that I, I wanted to wanted to do something um, like with Connecting the Resilient. I started it because it was so useful for me in the hospital and there wasn't really anything like the small podcast that, that I now have is now. There wasn't anything like that for me to to reference when I was in the hospital. So I, I really wanted to put something out because I, I knew how helpful it was for me um, and I knew. And if it could be marginally as helpful for someone else or 10 other people, then that'd be awesome. That'd be totally worth it. And then like kind of with the other projects. Yeah. Like you said, I mean, I think sometimes our biggest enemy is, is ourself and thinking, oh, that's too hard or I'm not gonna be able to do that. But similar to my recovery, um, you just kind of got to start and see where you go. Uh, And I think that's a, a super important lesson is you can pretty much always do something, whether you're working towards a goal or you're trying to get out of setback you had or an injury or a car crash or something. There's pretty much always something that you can do. And I think kind of getting put in the place where moving your own body wasn't an option and I like having to find something else that I could do. I've really begun to realize that it's always the case that there's something that you can do to better your situation and to work on helping other people or helping yourself or doing something like that's kind of the genesis for a lot of the projects that i've done and continue to do is that i think they'd be useful or interesting or i've learn something or maybe all of those maybe they help people too uh, hopefully to help people too and just kind of applying myself uh, and, and starting them i think has showed me that starting it and just just the first step is so important in in the process
0: Absolutely. That is really, really important to to keep in mind. And so what advice would you give to people who are trying to learn to have a positive mindset? And I think especially now, there's so many people who know that times are tough, but thinking positively, trying to think about what they can control and what they can do. What would be some of the advice that you would give people?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think like we've been talking about, most importantly is is understanding that this is something that everybody can do and it doesn't take anything special. And it's just kind of when you have that hardship to be able to step back and, and ask yourself, what are the positive aspects of this? Um, it can be hard at times, but it is mm-hmm. super rewarding. And it allows you to kind of step through that adversity I mean, and keep moving and keep moving on in your life. It doesn't have to be something like as traumatic as breaking your neck and not being able to move. It could be, it could be a little thing, like maybe get a flat tire or and I, I get a bad grade on an assignment. I mean, you're frustrated about it. Step back and take account of what you have and and all that you have. And I think once you do that, once you see, okay, I, I mean, this is bad, but it's not that bad. I can I can do stuff to make it better? Then you're able to kind of get through that initial frustration, initial depression, um, and keep moving. And then the second thing, like I was just talking about, is is realizing that you can always do something. Action in itself is is just powerful. And kind of to break that inertia and get you moving is just super important.
0: Absolutely. That is really, really important. And, uh, and all the things that you've said, I mean, it just makes me think of throughout my childhood, my mother always, she's a very positive person. And I always needed a little bit of a push when I was facing adversity. And rightfully so you can feel that, okay, this is really difficult, and I'm justified in being really upset. But she always pulled me out of that and said, no, you have to look at what does this give you an opportunity for? What do you still have? What can you be grateful for? And uh, and then what can you do just a little bit to, to make it better? And it's certainly something that it's important to coach people through if, it, if it's not something that comes quite as easily, because I know throughout my life, she's also been coaching me in, in these little things. As you said, you get a bad grade, you have Something small happened, not life-changing, but still it's, it can be hard to see the positive and it's so important. So what's next for you? What is, what is exciting for you now? There's
1: a lot exciting. I mean, I've been, so I've been home from college because of uh, the pandemic and all, but I've been able to coach skiing this winter. And so I've probably skied like 60 or 70 days and it's just been, Awesome to, to get back on snow, which is super exciting. Um, awesome. But I mean, I think, I don't know for sure what's what's in store, but I would love to, while at university, to kind of explore more the different aspects of spinal cord injury. I think spinal cord injuries are, are still not understood enough in like, even on a study of one, looking at kind of my own body and how, how I react and stuff. I think there's a lot of interesting research out there to be done. So I would love to kind of look into that uh, while also, yeah, giving back as much as I can. Just so many people have kind of helped me along. Like you were saying, your uh, your mom, uh, like my parents, uh, my mom have, have kind of pushed me so much. And so I'd love to be able to give back to them and to other people as well.
0: That's wonderful. That's You're doing so many wonderful and important work. And it really is very inspiring. Before we end, I would like to ask you, I mean, there's your podcast is wonderful. you your book is really, really interesting. But is there something else that you would recommend for people to either watch or listen to or read something that inspires you?
1: Yeah, well, a great book that is is one of my favorite uh, fiction books. And it's really all about kind of growing up in mentality and grit uh, is the power of one by um, Bryce Courtney, I believe. And it's, yeah, it's just like a really good kind of coming of age story. It's fantastic writing as well but i think it is a good it goes well with kind of our conversation would definitely recommend it
0: great that sounds wonderful well thank you very much and thank you so much i mean we could be talking for so much longer about many different aspects of your journey and your work and what you're doing but thank you very much for sharing your experience and also your insights on how to develop and keep a positive mindset i really appreciate that thank you
1: yeah thank you thanks for having me on it's really awesome (laughs)
0: Thank you.